gonna wait till I find what I waited for. Hurry, oh man, now let's wait. Open up that The Big Play Reflog Show is brought to you by ShackNews.com. Shack News is the place to be for all your gaming needs with news, guides, walkthroughs, and reviews. Like today's featured article, a review of the new game, Paparazzi. And speaking of pups, check out Shack News' brand new app, Shack Pets, to view, upload, and vote on the cutest pet picks. And remember, you can join in on the conversation and customize your feed using the Shack News Cortex and Shack News Reader. If you're a gamer, Shack News is the site for you. Check them out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch at the handle at Check News and at Checknews.com. It's time! Streaming live from Cleveland, Ohio! Presenting the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight podcast of the world! The Big Play Reflog Show! Okay, do you need medical attention? Yeah. What, what is wrong? Today is Monday, January 24th, 2022. What is going on, everybody? I'm your host, Big Play Dave, alongside Gab Cruz with the intro music and Mr. Chris McNeil. How are you guys? Dave, I made it through a snow day today. Just got done. (laughs) Shoveling the driveway. The kids were off today. I just got the phone call. Two-hour delay for tomorrow. So we're in the throes of January and snow here in Ohio. Thoughts on a two-hour delay? I think that's stupid. I think it's really tough on all these parents. You know, if they're working, they've got to figure out something for the morning. A lot of times, two-hour delays turn into, you know, cancellations. So yeah, why don't just, just commit. Cancel? That's right. Just commit. commit. Don't go to the two-hour delay. I agree. But all the schools, that's what they like to do these days, is go to the delay before they go and, and cancel for the day. And that does screw up a lot of parents out there. Soft. Gab, how are we doing? I'm good. I don't ever remember there being a delay thing when we were in school. Is it's that, a relatively is that, new, is that a new yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, what a buzzkill. It's them hedging. I mean, it just make a call. Stop this hedging yeah. crap. But just, Gab, you won't remember this, but Chris, when we were little, remember on the I tube TV in the living room, you'd see the school names yeah. scrolling across the bottom. You're like, come on. Come well, on. Well, that you'd have the radio on too. And like every 10 minutes, you'd have to listen to the whole list. So you'd have both of those <laughs> things going at once. And hopefully you would I did the radio. Oh, yeah. 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 So, we would just watch the this little scroll just like I, we have it on the screen here. And that would be like Bay Village Schools closed. Yeah, girl! <laughs> you probably just had social media, didn't you? I remember checking emails for sure. Like 
Okay. Uh, usually someone texted me before I even knew it was happening. I was text. like, yeah. That's back in the day. Oh, text. Chris, no one Snapchatted you? No. And you'd have to watch the scroll, and invariably, you'd always miss it, too. I'd be looking for, like, Revere back in the day. It'd be like, oh, Talmadge. Like, oh, I missed it. I have to go all the way around again. <laughs> God bless it. Because it's all in alphabetical order. That's right. I feel like we're just delaying talking about Baker. Just we're just going to talk. We're going to talk about Baker. Right? <laughs> we're going to talk about the Cavs. Cavs are up right now on New York. We're going to talk a little meatloaf. This Cleveland connection. So let's get yeah. into it, Dave. I think you've Heck got yeah. the whole rundown, don't you? I I believe I do, and I think Kevin Love hit about four threes while we were just talking. Yeah. That's All right, we got a good show. We got Steve Popovich Jr., president of Cleveland International Records, joining the show. That's the label that that they released Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell back in the day. Um, Right out of Cleveland. A rock opera. No one else would touch it. And this little label out of Cleveland, Ohio, decided they'd take a flyer on it. So we're going to find out that story. And I'm excited to hear this one, Dave. Heck yeah. After that, Cavs trivia for who wants to be a billionaire. Hopefully giving away some Labatt Blue Lights and a GV shirt. Got some cool new releases with their their uh, Cleveland basketball stuff. Uh, and then Cleveland Headlines brought to you by TSE Cleveland. And we will wrap up with the best and worst tweets of the week. There's plenty of them. Uh, let's kick it off with some Power Rank Monday. It's time. Power Rank Monday. All right, we've had a ton of snow this past week. Chris, how's Granville been? I would assume about the same given that you had a snow day today. Last couple of days, we've gotten plenty of snow. Really the first snow of the year of any significance. And uh, they're, they're making up for lost time. There's a lot of snow out there. How many sledding trips thus far? Uh, not so much sledding. We did do the whole snowman. And, of course, I've shoveled the driveway like four times. And I've gone skiing. So I've gotten in the ski trip. <laughs> oh, look at good. you. Good oh, stuff. Yeah. All right. So we're just going to not talk about the Browns, and we're going to rank our favorite snow day activities from childhood. So I will go with my number three. Number three. Snow forts. Grew up with the brothers. We sure. would build snow forts all day long. It was awesome. What was your what was your technique? How would you make the snow forts? We, we would yeah. Yeah, we would take the snow shovel, right, and scoop it into a gigantic pile. And then and we carve. would we would either go igloo style and go through or we would build perimeter walls if we were attacking each other. Gotcha. So you do the pile and carve technique. Pile and carve, correct. What about yeah. you? Yeah. So we use Tupperware. I'd use the big, big Tupperware. Um, you know, what? The, the you know, not Tupperware, not the small things, but the big, um, big storage containers. Fill those oh, with okay, snow, yeah. pack them in, and then make them like bricks. Oh, oh, so yeah. you actually built like legitimate forts? Oh yeah, yeah. And sometimes, sometimes could you stack those? Yeah, you could stack them and then kind of form them from there. A lot of times you'd lose the shape because you'd be forming them, which is fine because you want to make it so there's no holes. You don't see any light coming in. And if you really wanted to get good with it, you pull out the hose, Dave. You oh, put a little water yeah. on there, really ice it up, make it just like an ice igloo. We did that before. So we, we made some fairly substantial igloos back in the day. 
Those are always any, fun. Any like guard towers or anything like that on there? No, no. But we always tossed around like sleeping the night in one of those because as kids, that's what you want to do, right? And parents <laughs> said no. They were always scared it was going to like cave in in the middle of the night. Just have a bad situation out there in the backyard. Speaking of the water hose, we, me and the kids started doing, we have like a uh, deck where there's stairs down into the yard and we build a sledding hill now and just ice that thing. And they just run with their sleds and can go like 50 feet. It's awesome. All through down the stairs. You ice the stairs. You ice the stairs. Well, you pack it with snow. Ah, I see. So you take the okay. door, you pack the entire stairs with snow. So it's a nice, nice hill. And then you water it. So, so it's, you're not like inviting grandma over after you've done this. Like, hey, come <laughs> on up, grandma. No, no. You know, She's, it's a little icy out here on your back deck, Dave. We're coming over for dinner. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. My number two. Number two. Hanging all day in pajamas after you see that school name come across. Watching cartoons all day long. Maybe a little Price is Right. Pajamas that were inside out, right? Uh, that's what we always did to try to get the snow day. I don't know if that's a thing. Like, for like, like, oh, rally, like a rally cap? Yeah. yeah. Rally pajamas? Yeah, Ooh. rally jammies. Rally jammies. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so that was the night before? Yeah, you would wear them inside out, to, and then you'd wake up and you'd have no school. <laughs> no way. I have never heard this before in my life. You were totally making this up. Maybe it was just me, but... <laughs> I want to hear We're, more about your customers. You got to do a whole show. Just what, what's the Anchorman quote? Everybody else does. Works sixty percent of the time. Works every time. Every time. <laughs> Rally jammies. That's fantastic. Rally jammies. <laughs> wow. All right, my number one. And this was later in life, as we got a school snow day. Just going back to bed. Yeah, it was such a good feeling. Going back to bed anytime you get a chance is one of the greatest feelings ever. Chris, top three. My number three. Number three. And we actually did this. My mom, my grandma on Twitter, she can vouch for this one. We used to go down, me and Mike Lee on Ranchwood Spur, and we go down to his house. They had a, a one-story little ranch house, and we would sled off the roof. And that was just the best time, uh, sledding off of my neighbor's roof, like over there at the Lees. So like you got airborne then with it. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We get a ladder, we get up on top, you know, and then can go right up to the peak of the roof, and then sled down from there, and then we'd have a big mound of snow there at the ground level, and just slide right into it. It was all well. It was all great until uh, a little let go. Mr. Lee found out about it and uh, he was a little concerned about his gutters and what we were doing to the gutters. So it only lasted for maybe a couple of <laughs> winter, but after that, he put the kibosh on that. But it was good times sledding off the neighbor's roof. I thought you were going to say he was worried about you guys breaking your arm or something. Nobody cared about us. No, no, no. no. no the gutters. No. Their kid, no, no. They were more concerned about the gutters. I never really <laughs> Yeah, they were, they were really pissed about the gutters. They could care less about us. What was the trial and error period for, like, how much snow in inches or feet you had to have to land off of a roof? Because that had to be... Well, I think that came along later, too. That was feet. one of those where he started just going off and like, oh, this is fun, but man, it hurts. Like, you know what we could do? Let's build up some <laughs> snow here. 
Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> My number two. Number two. Daytime TV. I think you touched on this, Dave, but Price is Right, all those oh, goodies yeah. that you don't otherwise get to see, that's always fun. And on a good snow day, getting in your jammies, whether they're right side out or <laughs> inside out, <laughs> uh, watching the Price is Right is fantastic. But my number one. Only really did this once because it's kind of counterintuitive to the whole snow day concept. Uh, but if you had a friend who could drive and was willing to go out and kind of battle the elements, going skiing on a snow day is fantastic. And I remember distinctly doing it once up there at Boston Mills Brandywine back in the day when it was really bad and it took us forever to get up there. And it was really not safe at all because obviously everything's shut down because it's a snow day. But it's a <laughs> sounds like place. a horrible <laughs> idea. Uh, but the skiing, Dave, the skiing, Dave, is fantastic. So I highly advise if you ever get the opportunity to spend a snow day up there at Boston Mills Brandywine. There's my there plug go. for them. I like it. I like it. All right, Gab, top three. I have been there once, Chris. It is pretty cool. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge skier, but it. I've been once, and credit to you for getting out on the slopes. What What level are you? On uh, see, I started pretty young. I started when I was about, I was eleven or twelve, right in there. Uh, which is actually kind of late for skiing. I got my kids started a little bit earlier, but uh, so I've skied my whole life. Now I could say, oh, okay. so you're, you're so I, humble. Just I say, ski tiger. I could ski tiger out there, Boston Mills. I could ski the toughest in Ohio. You know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't realize you were such a pro. That's awesome. I saw my life flash before my eyes. I went skiing for the first time in Michigan, and I forget where exactly it was, but they were telling me I was going too straight and not diagonal enough, yeah. and that's why I was going so fast and almost died. <laughs> and that'll happen. I have my son. Yeah, like I wasn't zigzagging enough, and I was just flying and, and everything. I was trying to stop, and I think I stopped for like five minutes. I like went to the side, and it was like, shh. Like I was stopping for a full five minutes. <laughs> no one taught you the pizza wedge. I was trying. The, no, it was doing the fries. The fries. I it, it concerned more than I pizza pizza wedge was not going to get me out of that situation. I need to put on the full like sideways. I was ready to like lay my body down. <laughs> By the way, Ed in Columbus says I'm watching this show instead of getting trapped in brown spaces. Talk. Wait, that's hilarious. <laughs> Good call, I, I was trapped in the brown spaces last night. Um. Okay, my power rank number three. I'm going to go with the classic. Uh, I live near the Metro Park, so there's lots of hill, lots of open area for kids. So we would definitely lug our sleds over to the park and just like fly down the hills. Um, and there was always usually a friend who lived a little bit like who was closest and their house became home base for like their parents would just make us food and hot chocolate and all that stuff. So always a good time the the spontaneous sledding and then so number the metro park still have a toboggan run there's a toboggan run at one oh i remember days. that i went to that in grade school we uh, would I'll do that one too. i know what you're talking about i'll tell you a quick story i know we're kind of up against it but uh, the last time the cincinnati Bengals had won a playoff game when they played uh, the raiders and they destroyed Bo Jackson. I remember my dad was listening to that game, and we were up there at the bobsled, or bobsled at the toboggan run. So I remember that distinctly. 
it's just the way sports are. You kind of remember the time and place. And I remember oh, yeah. when Bo got hurt during that playoff game because we were at the toboggan wow. one. Oh, that's funny. I think I know which one you're talking about, too. And yeah. on that one, I remember being on that and holding the side of the toboggan. Oh, yeah. And we slid down and it something like slit the uh, my gloves open. But my fingers were OK. But I, I remember looking at it like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're flying down that thing. Yeah, you are. <laughs> right. Uh, um, so yeah, my number, my number two would probably be, I got, it's, it's cliche, but, um, like snuggling up and watching movies all day, like, you know, Chris, or I mean, um, what's a good go-to movie? Dave was saying, oh, my go-to movie? Yeah. Guys, Monsters University. And you didn't hear me stutter. I love Monsters, Inc., but my favorite actually since watching Monsters University is the number two. So the follow-up movie i've watched it like 1800 million times it wasn't available back then but if you're talking about the present moment if i got a snow day today it's monsters inc like at least or i mean monsters university at least a couple oh, times did not have that one on watching <laughs> i'm watching you wazowski always <laughs> my that's the first one the second one monsters university cracks me up whoever wrote it is like basically someone i want to meet and hopefully one day we can have them on the show there we go like that incredible writing um so yeah snuggling up pajama day movies number two number one the king was snowball fights big big deal in our neighborhood big deal at our school so ironically sometimes we would meet back at the school even though we were off school and like the kid you might have a crush on would be there and you'd be like decking him with a snowball (laughs) that was how you showed your affection um and so i just remember being like all jazzed about like getting my competitive spirit on and like teaming and picking teams and stuff and then just like smashing each other's faces in the snow so good times (laughs) Excellent. Speaking of good times, your Cavs won tonight, 95-93 over the New York Knickerbockers. Heck yeah. I saw Darius Garland had a hell of a game, too. He did. He did. Fifth straight game of like, I don't know, what was it? Double-double? Double-double. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's averaging 20 points and 10 assists. Not bad. And we'll get into some Cavs talk. But now it is time for our featured interview of the week. Let's do it. Already on the Labatt Blue Hotline, we got the president of Cleveland International Records, Steve Popovich Jr. joining the show. Steve, how are you, man? Featured interview of the week. I mean, let's this, this is big time. I'm a little nervous here. Hold on a second. Would you how like you to guys power, rank, power rank your uh, favorite things in the snow? Yeah, well, let's see. Uh, I, I tried skiing, let's see, a couple times in high school, and that didn't work out too well for me. Although I did use to snowboard, however, I could never stop. So I was, you know, always bracing myself to, you know, eat snow. Um, <laughs> but uh, that didn't last long. But uh, anyway, no, very interesting conversation. I was uh, uh, pleased to be able to, you know, tune in and, and hear all about the uh, you know, uh, the tobogganing to uh, Monsters University, which I do agree. I think that's a great movie. 
Although I'm surprised you didn't bring up Better Off Dead, um, you know, the movie. I mean, I think that's a good one. Skiing, snow, home. But uh, I want my $2. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, I'm drifting off. How you guys doing, all right? We're good, man. We're doing real well. Um, I appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, your record label is just in the news this week, uh, everywhere, really, uh, especially here in Cleveland with, you know, sad news of the passing of Meatloaf. Uh, what, what was your relationship with him like after kind of all of these years? Well, you know what? Um, my relationship really um, started after uh, after my father's passing. Uh, you know, I had meet, met Meat several times over the years, of course. And, you know, back then, uh, you know, in the early days of Bad Out of Hell and all that, you know, I was – very young. And then, uh, you know, my father and I moved to Nashville back in 1986. So, um, it was, uh, it was, it was really when we started, you know, um, getting close was, was probably after my father passed away and most certainly up until the last couple of years when, uh, he moved on to Nashville and say about three years ago. And, um, you know, he had heard that I reactivated Cleveland international and uh, he wanted to get together, and uh, I said, "Well, come on over." So he came over to the house. We spent a couple hours together, and um, he's like, "You know, I got one album left in me, and I want to put it on Cleveland International." So the hairs on my neck just stood straight up because you know it was incredibly, um, you know, I was incredibly humbled by that, obviously. And uh, you know, talk about things coming around full circle with my dad starting off, you know, meets career back in the '70s, and here I am. Uh, was to have his last album was, um, you know, obviously extremely privileged and honor, but unfortunately uh, it wasn't meant to be. So there you go. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, how, how special is it for you to kind of be able to bring back your, your father's record label after all of these years? It's extremely special. You know, it's, uh, you know, when he passed away in 2011, I mean, he left a, an incredible legacy, you know, and it was something I knew um, that when certain matters uh, were taken care of, I wanted to reactivate his label um, and carry on his legacy, you know, uh, extremely important. You know, I mean, it's been my full time job for, for the last three and a half years. So, you know, um, nothing like picking up the torch and, and carrying on for him and the city of Cleveland, you know. Heck, yeah. Well, what was it like uh, kind of growing up in that? that atmosphere as, as a kiddo? You know what? I've been asked that a lot. And, and to be honest with you, you know, it, it was, I, I felt I lived a pretty fairly normal life, you know? Um, but those people back then, and I don't know if it was the way my father was, you know, it didn't matter if it was Johnny Cash or Meatloaf or whoever, he treated everybody the same. So it wasn't like this big figure coming over to our house or eating dinner or walking into my father's conference room and there'd be Johnny Cash there, it, he treated everybody like family and that's what it felt like, you know? So um, I, I guess it really wasn't until I got into high school and realized, you know, when we had moved back to Cleveland and he restarted Cleveland International, um, you know, you start seeing things, you know, on the news and in the papers. And that's really, I think, when I got a, a really good understanding um, uh, and really dove into, to, you know, the depth of his career, you know, I knew he was in the music business, obviously, Um but the depth and the magnitude, I had no idea. Um, you know, even um, after he passed away and was on the news, I mean, I had, you know, many of my friends from high school reaching out. You know, I never knew your dad did that. 
you know. Huh. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that if that answered your question or not, but you know, um, you're just sitting around growing up eating broccoli at the <laughs> dinner table with Johnny Cash. <laughs> I don't know if it was broccoli; it's probably more like Waffle House or you know, something like that. Um, no, but you know, I, I you know I have uh, a lot of great memories. You know, uh, growing up as a kid and being around all those people. Now looking back, um, you know, they were they were great times. You know, so so for those those in our audience who who maybe don't know the story about Cleveland International and then Meatloaf and how that um, all came together, how that relationship mm-hmm. formed with your father, can you can you kind of take us through that? Because Meatloaf was having a hard time selling Bad Out of Hell, and if it wasn't for you guys, it may not have happened. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was certainly. And if you want, I can give a little quick backstory on Senior prior to Cleveland International. You know, uh, he was. Um, you know, he started in the Columbia Records warehouse in 1962, all in thanks to Frank Yankovic, America's, America's Polka King, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how he got his job in the, in the record business, where he spent seven years uh, working his way up in Cleveland. And then he got a job as um, assistant to Ronald Luxemburg, um, who was uh, vice president of CBS Records at the time. Um, you know, and from there, you know, in the 60s, he became the first ever vice president of promotion under Clive Davis. Uh, and worked with and promoted some of the biggest artists, um, you know, in the world. Uh, and then from there, he became uh, vice president of A&R through 1976. You know, he signed Michael Jackson of the Jacksons, along with Ron Luxemburg, the CBS Records, Boston, Cheap Trick, a plethora of artists. And then, uh, you know, he decided he wanted to move back to Cleveland. You know, my, uh, my mom was, you know, living in Freehold, New Jersey. And, um, you know, uh, he was commuting to work. And I don't think he came home uh, until he, you know, on the weekends. I mean, he slept in New York, slept on his couch in his office, got up at five in the morning and started again. So I think that took a toll uh, on them. And, uh, you know, he decided, um, like I said, in 76, move back to Cleveland. He wanted to start his own imprint for Epic Records, Cleveland International. Um, you know, it was uh, shortly after he started the label, he got a cassette tape from David Sonnenberg, I believe, who was me and Jim Steinman's manager at the time. And uh, it was one of those things that grew on him uh, over a short period of time, um, you know, to the point to where, you know, he, he felt like he could champion this record, you know. And you got to understand, this was, you know, back in the days of, uh, you know, uh, you know, I referenced Peter Frampton types, you know. Um, and here's this guy, you know, 300 plus pounds, long hair, seven minute songs, operatic voice, you know. But my dad always had um, a knack for finding left of center talent and that was extremely left of center i, I was gonna then. say <laughs> yeah yeah pretty, pretty out there stuff really it, it was it was really really out there um but again it was something that that grew on him and uh, he, he, he fell in love with and um you know he, he signed me both and the rest they say is history now i will say that it took uh that record uh had been shopped around to every label in the industry at that time um Clive Davis turned it down. Mo Austin, Warner Brothers. Um, you know, they were saying that they would, it felt like they were opening up labels just to turn them down, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, they, you know, uh, Bearsville, who was, um, you know, Todd Rundgren's label, you know, they, they turned it down as well. Uh, they were with Warners. That's Mo Austin. And, um, you know, anyway, um, Long story short, yeah, my dad and, and a guy by the name of Bill Catino and the late, great Marty Mooney, uh, their big team of three in Willoughby Hills, Ohio, 
you know, they went to work, you know, and, uh, you know, my dad was, uh, you know, very, well, one of his quotes that I use to this day, you know, be stubbornly passionate about your beliefs. And that's what he was. I mean, he went to war, you know, and it took probably a couple of years, um, you know, to, for it to really get some momentum. Um, and, uh, I remember him saying, you know, CBS Epic, they wanted a new album. I think they sold 140,000 copies at that time, but Ed's like, you know, y'all are crazy. I mean, we haven't even begun to kick the door down on this record. And then, uh, I think what really, really, uh, broke the camel's back was the CBS national convention in 1978 in New Orleans, where all the, uh, promotion guys, everyone from CBS records around the world, they have a national convention each year in a different city. And that year, uh, you know, my dad was able to get meatloaf to close the show. And from what I heard, I mean, I mean that's what really got the company to buy in and really believe in, in this record. Um, not to say there weren't people within Epic uh, that were very supportive of the album in the beginning. There were, um, but it took the 500-pound gorilla, uh, my old man, um, to, to really, um, you know, it, he, he was a promotion guy like no other. I mean, he was unbelievable. He was relentless, and I mean that in the very best way. Um, and in this business, you got to be. You know, you can't take no for an answer. Um, and that's what he did. And, you know, um, so that's kind of in the nutshell, you know, in the early beginnings, you know, all thanks to John Gorman, WMMS, Henry Lacani, you know, the Agora, um, you know, really, uh, meatloaf and, uh, was, was embraced by the city of Cleveland. You know, there was a mutual love there from day one. Um, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's extremely, uh, important, I believe in, in the story and the creation and making of that on was there ever a moment like when you were kind of growing up and you were going through, you know, just the normal things you do as a, as a kid or whatever. And, and, and you realize that, Hey, maybe things are a little bit different than in my household than others. Was there, was there ever like that moment that you got and you said, boy, this, this is, I guess this is kind of cool. This is kind of different or, or something like that along the lines. You know what? I'll never forget. There was one time I was in high school uh, back when we had uh, you had actual telephones in your house with with recording, I'll never forget Chris. Gab, Gab doesn't remember those days, so I'm glad you said that for Gab's benefit. A little too young. <laughs> um, I remember there was something. My dad, I don't know who he was able to get in touch with, but Chris Farley called our house and left a message. Wow. Hey, Steve, this is Chris. I got your message, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I, I'll never forget. I went to Lake Catholic High School in Menor. We had pay phones back then. She probably didn't even know what those are. <laughs> I was, I had a line of about 15 people. They didn't believe me. I said, you guys are never going to believe this. Chris yeah. Farley called my house. And this was in the height of his career. You know, my yeah. I wanted to talk to him. I don't know if it was maybe wanting him to play meatloaf in a movie, something. I, I don't know what it was. But I remember he called and left, uh, left a voice, not a voice phone, but left a message on our phone. I, I swear I was 15 people deep in high school. You know, it was, uh, I was the most popular kid at school <laughs> oh, that time. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was awesome. That was, that was, uh, that was a pinch me moment for sure. You know, what a concept, um, Chris Farley playing meatloaf in a movie. Oh, oh I they man. Talked. I know. Right. That's and, incredible. Uh, actually fast forward. So when VH1, did the meatloaf movie 
my dad and I went out there. They wanted him to help write the script. And um, somehow he got me a part in the movie playing, uh, I think it was Marty or Bill Katina, one of, one of the promo guys uh, from Cleveland International days. But the guy who played Meatloaf, his name is W. Earl Brown. I don't know if you remember the movie uh, Something About Mary. Sure. Oh, yeah. And he was Warren Frank and Beans. Oh, no way. Oh, that yeah, does yeah. look like Meatloaf. Yeah, yeah. And he looked identical to Meatloaf. And ironically, Meatloaf <laughs> was two or three, uh, uh, what do you call it, lots over making a movie. So we actually ran into Meatloaf uh, while we were on set of the VH1 movie um, uh, about Meatloaf. But uh, Earl is, is still a dear friend of mine. Um, you know, he's been, as, he was in Deadwood and, you know, all, all kinds of great movies and series. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool, pretty fascinating, but he did a great job, but that would have been neat having Chris, uh, you know, oh. play the part of meatloaf. That would have been incredible. Yeah, no doubt. No, I mean, Chris be- was known for running around doing somersaults and cartwheels on stage yeah. anyhow. I mean, that's what meat was doing back in the seventies. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know? Boy, that would have been match made. Oh. Yeah. yeah what a Look at that. That looks a lot oh, like you go. You've got right? a picture up. A little pixelated there, Dave. Well, you <laughs> know what? I'm on the fly here. I know. You're right the but that's yeah, pretty good yeah. to pull it up that quick. That's good production value right there. <laughs> so what did, now did, what did Meatloaf think about the portrayal of him in the movie? I don't think he liked it. And I read no. somewhere recently, I think that was a big reason for his wife at that time divorcing him. Wait a second. Yeah, to my understanding, actually, you know, according, to, uh, according to Earl, Meat did not like the movie. Okay. And, um, you know, they would see each other in L.A. because Earl was big in the softball and Meatloaf was obviously big in the softball. Um, but they would see each other, you know, at functions. And uh, according to Earl, you know, he just got that feeling that, you know, he, he wasn't happy. I don't think it was necessarily his portrayal of him in the movie, but I think just how that whole thing was written out you know, while, while he was married. Oh, and again, that's according uh, to him, you know, sure. I, I have no idea. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I guess that'd be tough <laughs> if he's sitting down there watching it with his wife and <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's tough to explain. <laughs> why don't we just, watch right? the movie? why don't we just watch yeah. the movie? Let's uh, I'll go get some more popcorn. You, in fact, do you want to go out and get the popcorn? <laughs> I'm gonna fast forward this thing. Yeah, I'll get on my I know what's here. coming up in the next few scenes. I remember those years. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, tell us, well. bring us up to, up to speed now. So where's the label at now? What are you guys working on? Do you have any prospects here going forward? Well, you know it's yes. Yeah, so so we reactivated the label in October of eighteen, and you know initially I wanted to reissue some of our back catalog. You know I reissued the Cleveland Rocks compilation. Uh, which, you know, is they're, they're all artists that were either signed to Cleveland International or were associated with Cleveland International Records. So um, everyone from Meatloaf, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, to Ronnie Spectin, E Street Band, who we recently lost as well about two weeks ago. Right. Um, to Ian Hunter, Cleveland Rocks, to Southside, Jonathan Asbury, Jukes, Joe Gershek, and the House Rockers, etc. Um, and we put out some other stuff as well. You know, we reissued our Frank Yank, Vic and Friends, Volume 1 and 2, Songs of the Polka King. Um, we, we issued that on vinyl for the very first time, which features Drew Carey, Weird Al Yankovic, David Allen Coe, Akron Native, Roger Martin, you know, Cleveland's wow. hillbilly singer, yeah. um, you know, to Don Everly and, uh, and, and many, many others. And, uh, you know, we signed a few artists. Uh, this was pre-COVID. 
And then obviously once once COVID hit, we kind of reshifted our focus in a way that we were going to start moving things forward. Um, so, you know, we've we've got several live recordings from back in the day that we are reissuing, or not reissuing rather, they've never been released. We're putting them out. Next month, we got the official Georgia Satellites live album we're putting out from Peabody's Down Under and the Flats, if you guys remember that, from 1998. Oh, yeah. And it is an incredible live show. And, uh, you know, we're going to be putting out uh, Southside Johnny and the Jukes with Ronnie Spector live at the Agora from 1977. And, uh, you know, we got some other surprises we're going to be putting out here this year as well as going into next year. Um you know, uh, which we're really, really excited about. So, you know, we uh, we got our whole merchandise line. You know, we're still pumping those out, which has been great. And um, yeah, we're we're excited about where we're at now, and we're we're looking forward to, you know, uh, to the future as well. We're excited. You talked a little bit about polka. Polka is always interesting to me. It's it, it's it's very ingrained into the fabric of of Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. Can you talk a little bit about that kind of the background of polka in that area? Well, I mean, I think you can go all up and down, you know, the, the East Coast. I mean, you look at, you know, places like Pittsburgh, Buffalo, you know, New York, um, you know, it's uh, polka is, is, is something, you know, I, I, I have to believe that, that punk and ska have derived from polka music. And if you listen yeah. to it, it's, they're very, very similar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, Frank Yankovic, America's Polka King. You know, uh, from Collinwood, um, you know, guys like Jeff Pecan and uh, Joey Miskelin. Uh, I mean, Cleveland has such a rich history um, for for polka musicians, uh, you know, that went on, uh, like Frank, to sell millions of records when he was with Columbia Records back in the 40s and 50s. You know, um, it's it's my. It, it's an interesting reference. My dad always said it was it was his people's Prozac. You know, growing up in <laughs> South Pennsylvania. Well, if you think about it, you can't listen to polka and be in a bad mood. It's it it, it it's uplifting. It's happy. Yeah. I mean, you know, in heaven there is no beer. That's why we drink it here. Roll out the barrel. I mean, yeah. come on. You know, and there's there's millions of Eastern Europeans, you know, that that live here in the U.S. All know and love polka music. I mean, I don't think. Oktoberfest have been any bigger in the U.S. than they have in the last probably five to ten years. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, it's a great excuse to, to drink. drink beer, dance. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with that? Nothing. You know? did, did you and your yeah. dad do any polka dancing? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> My dad used to. I remember when we first moved down to Nashville. He put on uh, what is now famous. Would be called. Uh, he put on polka pandemonium. Um which was incredible. And when we moved back to Cleveland, uh, he would do those as well. We actually did um, a couple polka pandemoniums at the Beachland Ballroom. You know, them too, Sidney Barber and Mark Lenny have been very, very supportive, obviously, of us. They made their green room, the Steve Popovich and Marty Mooney green room. Um, You know, and uh, actually, we're going to be having another polka pandemonium coming up around my father's birthday, around July 6th. So you guys be sure to... uh, Come on down and and uh, have a few beers and dance the night away with us. I love it. I, I never, for some reason, I never put the connection together between polka and ska. That makes so much sense. I, I'm a I'm a big 
from back in the day, I'm a kid of the nineties. So mighty, mighty boss tones, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. There's a band called the Pocaholics. Uh, uh, we play polkas on guitar. I mean, you got to check that out. Um, there's a band uh, called the dreadnoughts, um, brave combo who we want to, uh, grab it with back in 99, 1999. I mean, they were, they played David Burns's wedding. You know, they were on the Simpsons. Um, there's a whole polka movement out there and, and has been, and it's, it's been underground, but I'll tell you, uh, there's young guys like Alex Meitzner and the Chardon polka band. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, this world could use a little more polkas right now. I completely agree. And that one yeah. needs to go on a shirt right there. There's some <laughs> more merchandising for you. We'll you need that. Well, shirt, put your you logo can go on. to our website and, and get some of that stuff. We got it all lined <laughs> Here up. We go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's merchandising. That's merchandising. That's promotions. I'll be sure and send you guys some stuff. Oh, fantastic. We will wear it with pride. Yeah, wear absolutely. It. I know you will. Wow, Steve. Well, I really love your whole background and story. This is fascinating to me. I like learning the music history stuff. And actually, Oktoberfest, I went for the first time this year, and I was like really surprised by all the dancing, and it was phenomenal. <laughs> It, so you're, you're, your history they, they get a couple hundred table. thousand people there over a weekend. It's unbelievable. Wow. It's incredible. That's a lot of people. That's a, That's lot, a lot of people. people. That's a lot of people. You know, and DJ Kishka, you know, Dingus Day, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That's another thing that's been popularized big time. Um, so there is a movement out there. Oh, yeah. People were it – w- it was a lot of fun. I I felt bad I hadn't been to it before. It was it was definitely hopping. And, yeah, you don't have to twist my arm about July 6th. It's already on my calendar about uh, beer Perfect. and dancing. Just make sure you bring your skis with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. No, we're talking. For sure. Ski and polka and beer. Oh, Steve. Yeah. It doesn't get any better, right? There you go. We got them all, man. <laughs> Full circle, Steve. Full circle. That's hey, it. That's what it's all about, guys. That's right. Thank, thanks for taking some time with us. This was this was super fun to, to hear no, about. I, and I appreciate you guys. Yeah, yeah. And where, where can everyone find the merchandise um, and kind of check you guys out? Uh, you can just go to clevelandinternational.com. Sweet. Yeah. I man, appreciate the time. No, thank thanks, you guys. I enjoyed it. We'll do it again. Heck yeah. All Take right. Care. Good stuff from Steve Popovich Jr. Is that blue? That's my dog. Is that blue? Blue is getting yeah, he gets the zoomies at night and um <laughs> Uh, he, can, he can come in for who wants to be a beer in there if you want. Yeah, maybe I should bring him in. No, he'll be a wild child. He'll eat all my cords in here. All right, but he could give Alan clues. It's time for who wants to be a beer in there. We've been talking about beer. It is time. Cavs, let's do it. to be a billionaire brought to you by labette blue each week one contestant gets their chance to answer Cavs trivia question for a chance to win start off with cash for a six pack then a 12 pack then a case and then a case and a gv art shirt if you keep it going alan 
Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Billionaire, sir. How are you? Good. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Are you confident in your chat? <laughs> I feel pretty confident. Is, are we, I'm curious how far back we're going to go, but... Um, no, I, no idea. We haven't even looked. Okay. I saw him. At, I used to see him at the Richfield Coliseum. So okay, we're, we're not going back farther than that. Okay. So you're good. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Let's get the epic music going. Okay. The epic music and the blues barking. Right. <laughs> Number one for cash for a six pack of Labatt in 2007. Which team? Did the Cavs beat in the Eastern Conference Finals to get to make to the franchise's first ever NBA Finals appearance? Detroit. Heck yeah! Woo! No hesitation. Correct. I had that one. Yeah. I got a lot of beer spilled on me after that twenty-five point. Yeah, that's when Jordan Gibson went crazy. Oh man, nice reference. Yeah, booey. Um, I, I believe we play Detroit this Sunday coming up too. Great. All right. You got cash for a six pack. Would you like to move on for a 12 pack? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Chris, hit him with the question. LeBron is the Cavs all time leader in almost every statistical category. One stat he does not lead in is block shots. Which Cavs 1996 first round draft pick is the franchise's career block leader with a total of 1,269 blocks. 96. Could be Zadrunas Ogalskis. That is correct. Well done. All right. Oh, we're going to have a winner. I can feel it. I can Let's feel see if you can go down the list. He was, he was too confident. All right. You got Zadrunas Ogalskis. <laughs> Who do you think is, is number two? Um, Larry Nance. Close. Larry Nance was third. All right. Same I would have got Larry yeah, I would have too. Same time. Blacker. Uh, John Hot Rod Williams. Correct. John Hot Rod Williams. Okay. And number four. Four. Maybe LeBron at that point. But there it is. You wow. got it. Well wow. done. Yeah. Number oh, one is he. Number two is Hot Rod. Number three is Larry Nance. Number four is LeBron. All right. Okay. All right, man. You got, you got a 12 pack. I, I feel like you got to move on. Yeah, I definitely have to, for sure. <laughs> it look right. easy. I think we're going to have a winner. Okay. Oh, don't jinx, don't jinx me yet. <laughs> are you, are, you're in for number three, are we? Yes, we are. Okay, for cash for a 24-pack of Labatt, blue, featuring blue's faint barks in the yeah. background. The Cavs just beat the Knicks tonight. The last time we played the Knicks, this guard came off the bench and scored 37 points in 31 minutes, the most points by a Cavs player this year. Who is that guard? Ricky Rubio. He's got it. He looks so good in that game. Yeah, wow. he was. Oh, he's in New York, too, I believe. Yeah. How do, you, how do you feel about Rondo thus far taking over for Rubio? Well, I think it's a little bit of – I do like that he's a veteran, but it hurts that uh, he was playing so well. So yeah. well. But it's good to have experience better than having uh, Pangos out there. Or, you know, good ones. Okay. But I, I would agree with that. Staying healthy, that's the biggest piece, right? So, yeah, God. absolutely. All right. You've got a case of Labatt Blue Light. Would you like to move on to have a shirt to wear while you're drinking that? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. For a case of Labatt and a GV art shirt, here we go. Question number four. 
The Cavs play Milwaukee on Wednesday. We all remember the infamous play from the 2018 NBA Finals where J.R. Smith got a rebound and dribbled out the clock <laughs> during a tied yes. game. Yes. <laughs> oh, how can I forget the memes, everything. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, in our show notes, the meme is in there. It's actually in, the hint <laughs> is that picture. I love that. Oh, it's bad. All right, which former Cavalier and current Bucks guard missed the free throw that J.R. rebounded. George Hill. Whoa! No hesitation! <laughs> we have a winner! How can you not forget that one? That, that hurt too, man. That hurt. That was bad. That yeah. was that yeah. rough overall. Yeah, it I was. I can't believe you got that. All four That's of them. awesome. You cruised. Yeah. George cruised. Hill, there's no way I was pulling that one out. There's no way. Oh, I remember that like it was yesterday. You would have had George Hill? Oh, yeah. That was brutal. <laughs> do you, oh, Gab, do you remember that? I I do remember that. I'm I'm glad you guys also put in the the meme in the notes as you mentioned because I had to look down and, and see that and I I didn't even notice. Yeah, yeah it's, Alex, congratulations, it's man! Thank you, appreciate it. That was easy. Not now you've earned your time to break mm-hmm. down the Cavs. Give us thirty seconds on what you think this Cavs team has done so far. What do you yeah. think their ceiling is for this year, and what do you look for them to do in the second half? Yeah, so I think what the most exciting part about it is we're doing it without LeBron, right? Yeah. As much as you love LeBron and everything he's done, it's just this is I think the first time since you know early nineties that we were able to do anything, you know, get to play us. Well, last time I think it was with Sean Kemp, I believe. But yeah, it's exciting. I mean, obviously you got a nucle- a young nucleus there with Garland, and then you got Mobley who's playing unbelievable, Jared Fantastic. Allen. Yeah. I just think that they need to have one more move in there to get a shooting guard, somebody who can score and penetrate and Unfortunately, to do that, you got to give up something. That's the hardest part, right? What do you give up? But I think, I mean, they're playing with house money the way I feel like it right now. Love's playing great. Um, I think they'll probably end up like fifth or sixth. I just want to stay okay. in that range where you don't have to play in the playing game. But hey, anything, even if you get in the playing game, any type of experience is going to be good for them right now, for sure. So exciting. I think they're probably one of the most exciting teams to watch right now. Who would have said that at the beginning of the year, right? No doubt. Absolutely and clearly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Alan. We okay. appreciate the time. Congratulations. Congrats. Thank yeah. you. And we'll uh, we'll shoot you a DM. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Have a good All night. Right. Good stuff from Alan. All right. I, that was the most confident run through that Crushed. segment we've ever had. Like, ever, no ever. doubt. Like, if I didn't know better, I would have thought we gave him the answers ahead of time. But I can confirm that that did not happen. Like, sometimes I do at the ballpark to help people win. (laughs) Oh, we have a bit of a scandal here. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes I do. Sometimes. (laughs) Not all the time. You tip your hand. You tell them what's coming up. You tip. I do it on beer money, too. I entice I would entice people to be on the show by letting them know, I won't let you embarrass yourself. I'll give you a hint for the first answer. And then that would get them to go on. I can attest to that. And he was, this. Alan was smooth sailing. Congrats, Alan, for for being so knowledgeable on our calves. I thought beer money was the last bastion of integrity. (sighs) (laughs) It It probably was before I got there and muddied it up with too many hints. Oh, I'm sure nowadays Jensen's just giving them all the answers. I, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> Who is the mascot for the Cleveland baseball team, Gavs? Um, it rhymes with Ryder. Oh. 
I know I'd be like, uh read this card here, see? <laughs> oh man. No, I would just be like, all right, like if it was Zeke Elliott or something for something, I'd be like, this dude rocks a crop top. You know, like I'd be I would just, you know, I didn't full on give give him away. But but you've you guys have seen me full on give stuff away. Yeah, you've been around, so I'm not yeah. advocating oh, yeah. for myself well enough. <laughs> I'm frustrated because you have some people who are really good. Then you have some people who are just really, really bad and also really drunk, which I know is part of the allure of the show. But did you ever get yeah. frustrated with people where you're just like, come on, I'm trying to do this thing. Come on. <laughs> uh, yes and no. Oh, no. The funnest people were when we would go to these casinos. And this might be why we there isn't a sponsor for it right now. We had finally gotten a big sponsor and it was like this casino racino, but your clientele on a Tuesday at a racino in Pennsylvania, Cleveland sports fans, it was hard. A lot of like, I just remember this one time we had this great segment and we couldn't use it because the guy's nipple was showing through his shirt. (laughs) Like, like his shirt, his shirt was cut in such a way that he he just had like a nip slip and we, we couldn't use it on television. So that that is like kind of a in a nutshell what you were dealing with. Your money behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, yeah. Another one we couldn't use. A woman got something wrong, and um, she insisted she took the money and ran anyway. Like took it away from me because she she thought I I. I gave her too much encouragement to go to the next question. I was like, you're going to go in for it? Oh, come on. You can do it. And then she did it and got it wrong. It was like, well, I'm keeping my money. And then we were like, we're just not going to run this segment because this is awkward that we just got hustled on our own show. (laughs) (laughs) Did Did you guys run after her? No, I was just like, that's yes. That's your $5 now. They took they took it out of Gab's pay later on. Yeah, they were like, "Wow!" <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. Cool. We're gonna have to do a behind the beer bunny segment each show. <laughs> hear more of these stories. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's keep it going. We're running late. Let's get to headlines. Cleveland Headlines brought to you by TSE Cleveland. Go subscribe to that YouTube channel for your chance to win all those eligible giveaways. Uh, TSECleveland.com. All right. So we have some new merch in Cleveland. Big reveal teaser yesterday. That was a great Uh, teaser. Did you see my response to it? I did not. Oh, I said they're oh, releasing geez. the succession hats because it was just a black hat. You know, the hats they wore in succession. That's <laughs> like the rich person's hat these days is just to wear a oh, yeah. baseball cap, which is basically what they released yesterday as the tease. And so I said, those are succession caps. I thought <laughs> kind of yeah. Chris, Chris, thoughts on these hats? I, you know, they're, ha- they're exactly what we thought they were going to be, right? They're hats. Yeah, I mean that's that's our, the logo that we knew about. That's the hat style we already are familiar with, and they put it together. It's like, okay, yeah, that's what we got. <laughs> well done. Now I had seen something today, and I don't know if this is correct or not, but uh-huh. they've also got the winged baseball right as a logo, and evidently they can't put that on the hat because it's got a baseball in it, and you can't do that on hats in MLB. They won't let you put a white baseball onto a cap. Really? 
I, I don't know if that's true or not. It sounded like a pretty it good story. It can't be true. I, if it's for not on-field caps, I'll have to look into caps. that. Yeah, no, for on-field caps, you uh, can't uh, have it. Because, I mean, I, mean, I definitely – Whatever you want on a cap. I mean, if you want to sell it in the team store. But I'm saying if it's going to be what they actually wear, you can't have a baseball on there. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true or that's not. That's a I great way. It. That's a great way for the the guardians to kind of pivot away from that logo because I don't like that logo at all. And then guys, go, oh, did I tell you? Have to get rid of it. No. What? Breaking no, news. No. Did I tell you? Like two weeks ago, I had an epiphany, and I you're wearing love it. our logo now. Oh no. Not, and this is not. No, no. Listen. How to much me. did they pay you to say that right now? <laughs> Nothing. I want to tell you why. I renewed my you. contract, and now I love these logos. I no, listen. It it's not. No. I, in fact, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, I don't get an. I don't get paid enough to be this amped about it. But I want to tell you because it's 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 cool how I landed on how I love it. So how I, I you love the logo. That's this good. is what happened. This is what happened. I thought to myself, now, Gab, remove the emotional attachment. If this new team unveiled their new logo today and it was chief wahoo and we were the indians and they unveiled it right now like did the whole social media campaign dropped it on twitter and then bam they they whipped out chief wahoo would you think that was a beautiful piece of art no it would be hilariously bad and in that context i was like no i think it's the it's really dumb looking <laughs> like without my entire emotional attachment to it. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And so then I started looking at this logo with different eyes. I don't know how it happened, but, and then I started looking at other logos and I was like, what were we really expecting though out of a logo? And then all of a sudden, oh, I don't what? know, there's something, it, but you could say that about so many, I know that's where I, I was like, mm, is yeah. this on the fence of that? A lot of naysayers were saying that, but then if you look at other, I think the Brewers have the best logo in baseball, but I can't think of anybody else who has like some unique twist on anything. You're all, they're all clip art. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's true. Even the iconic ones like the Yankees. I mean, that's really just letters put together. Boston. <laughs> And yeah. then I went down a different rabbit hole and I was like, I can't believe there was a point in time where we convinced this city that we were going to name our football team, the Browns. And they got the whole city on the, on board with the fact that we were going to be Brown and orange and we were going to be the Browns. And yeah, yeah Paul Brown. So everybody well, yeah. likes Paul Brown. Paul Brown seemed to think he owned the Browns at that time. Yeah, but I guess your, your point, the, the logo is a helmet that they wear on the field. So that's Yeah, like what they did, like it was it's all very basic. I don't know. Basic isn't bad, but that logo still sucks. I'm sorry. I guess I'm playing devil's I like advocate. The crinkly C. The crinkly C works. The new hats are fine. I like them. I mean Yeah, those are those are completely fine. I mean, it looks like they took the block C and they just grabbed it and like that. Yeah, they just yeah. crinkled it a little bit. They put it on a hat. They yeah, made a big reveal out of it. I still think they need to get rid of the the one that you're starting to like him. No, I'm on board with it now. And I will, I would like to gather a band of people who are with me because everyone, the cool thing is to bash it. And I get it because people hate change and blah, blah, blah. But I, it, there, there's this cool field with the, the wings. I like it. It's like angels in the outfield and it's a G guess who's G here. Me. That, that, that hatch is Gabriella, good. the guardian basically. So nice. I don't know. I'm on there's board with it. Two now. G's on it. I believe. <laughs> you're gonna have to recruit is it on your sweat is it on your sweater 
Oh, yeah. It is. Okay. It's right there. It's See? very prominent. So I guess smaller, it doesn't look as bad, but when you get close up, it's like, Ugh. I don't know. It's cool. It kind of oh, reminds me of like the heat. You, Dave. Oh, my gosh. Look at All this. All right. You know how the heat, isn't it the heat? The, yeah. With the basketball going through the net type thing. Yeah. The flaming basketball. Yeah, like what's wrong with a, a baseball with wings? It, it's like, it's Wing cool, guys. I'm starting to think it's cool, so I'm going to make everyone think it's cool. <laughs> All right, I wish you luck. <laughs> yes. why, don't you, why don't you start with the hashtag ride with six people? See if you can convince all those folks. Oh, we made it. We made it an hour without talking about that. <laughs> oh. hour. Also, I know it's not going to happen. People give me so much shit on Twitter for liking the logo. They're like, you should get out of that sweatshirt or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I am excited. Sure? For what? That had nothing to do with the logo. Yeah, that didn't. Yeah. <laughs> No, it wasn't a creeper comment. It, well, actually, they were, but okay. <laughs> anyway. They all are. Gay, that one cool. wasn't, but all the ones around us <laughs> on the That's great. All right. Um, this is kind of old news. Kyrie Irving fined for clapping back. I hate that term, by the way. I think we should get rid of that in 2022. Yeah, clapping. that one's aged. That one's dead. Yeah, get, get rid of it. Uh, he said, guy all championship. <laughs> And you're still ungrateful, Chris. What are your What are your thoughts on Kyrie Irving? Trash talking's fine, right? I mean, yeah. I have no problem with it. I have no problem with what the fans said. I have no problems with Kyrie snapping back at him. And I, it's not a disrespect thing. Like everybody's like, "Oh, I, I hate this whole narrative that anytime a fan does anything, everybody's oh, it makes our whole fan base look bad." Like, shut up. Like a dude in a fan, a dude in the stand saying something, they could say whatever they want to, and and in this case, I didn't even think they said anything that's that embarrasses anybody. I mean, trash talk to players is existed as long as sport has, and that's the reason sports so great is to have a little bit of that rivalry in there, and that's what that is, and that's all well and good. I don't think the NBA should have fined him, but I mean, they didn't fine him that much, so it's not a big deal even on that end, and. Yeah, let this stuff go and and enjoy it and it kind of embrace this sort of thing. Don't don't make a big deal out of it and say no, we shouldn't be doing this stuff. That's what yeah. sports is. I mean, sports is talking crap, is saying, you know, what we think we are as a city versus who you are as a player and go after them. Don't be so sensitive, people. Right? I agree with you there. Uh our buddy Justin Rowan Cavsana Anada on Twitter, it's just caps, all caps tonight. Kevin freaking love. Chris, we were just talking about it. Cavs beat the Knicks tonight, 95-93. Wow, it came back. Uh, Kevin Love, six threes, scoring 20 and 11. How refreshing is it to see Kevin Love find his role with this team post-LeBron? I love the note that we have in LeBron would say What's he that? fit in instead of fitting out. Remember those old social media days? <laughs> oh Some my gosh, yes. Out. And he's definitely fitting in right now. Way to go, Kevin Love. We've talked about it on several shows now in a row, just how he has fulfilled that role of coming off the bench. He doesn't have to be a starter, and he isn't a starter. Despite that fact, he comes off, and he's actually an energy guy, which still doesn't make sense to me, uh, just with his play um, and what he's able to get out of the guys around him. Uh, not only his game, but everybody else. He elevates it in that second team, and I I applaud him because I we'd written him off on this show nine million times going into this, <laughs> and sure enough, man, he is playing. And and God, props to the guy. Keep it up. He's part of the success that we've had so far, and what we're going to need going forward. 
we thought only fat Kevin Love could could save us, and he completely changed it. And he is. <laughs> he didn't get fat. Watch. Yeah, he didn't no. have to get fat to to come back. That's a win win. Win win. Uh, all right, we we made it an hour six minutes. Um, all right, Baker Mayfield. Speaking of fit in, fit out. Uh, he's he's tweeting maybe his last tweet for a while. Nevertheless, social media is toxic. Always kept my circle tight. Time to get back to that family and loved ones only. Liking some tweets. Chris, you're our social media guru expert. Any any advice for Baker on how to handle himself? He's doing a little fast and furious there. Family. It's all about family now, right? For uh, Let me find Vin Diesel real quick. <laughs> I, yeah, I was I was trying to workshop a meme out of that earlier, and then I decided I didn't want to get part of the Baker Wars today. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, once again, if you're going to leave social media at any point, don't announce you're leaving social media. I say that to everybody. Just kind of go away. I just ignore it because that's part of leaving social media. If you make a big deal out of it, then you get responses. And when you get responses, that's still being a part of social media. So therefore, you haven't left it. I don't know. You know, it's not going to do him any good to be on social media right now in the middle of the Baker Wars. He's got people coming out of the woodwork. He's got media. He's got former players. And it just creates a whole mess. And there's a whole lot of distraction for a guy who should be rehabbing right now and focusing on being much better next year than what he was this past year. And when you guys got guys like Joe Burrow out there and the Cincinnati Bengals, and hell, you saw that game between the Chiefs and the and the Bills. I mean, my God, two quarterbacks just dueling it out. Baker's got to raise his game. So, yeah, get away from social media. Get away from everything. Just go and practice and read defenses, watch film this offseason because we need you significantly better next year than what you were this year in order to compete and be the team that we thought you were going to be this year uh, come next year. So, right? I mean, he's got a lot of work to do. That's one thing. Watching all these great playoff games, I was thinking – Man, we got some work to do with that quarterback position if we're going to get anywhere close to these guys because it seems like we have gotten nowhere closer. And, in fact, we've gotten farther away than what we were at the beginning of the year. Gab, how, how have the, the Brown spaces been on Twitter? I've Oh, they're hilarious. Me um, and Chris have not really ventured into those all I went much. into like two, and that Did was you? a while ago. Yeah. What's, what's going on? Fill us in. It's just, wait, actually, let me see, because I took some notes on my phone yesterday, because I thought there could be something funny with this, because the, the way they go down are hilarious. Um, what did I write, guys? And Oh, <laughs> this was a common line I heard, la- that's a concern. That's a, con- like, everyone would make a comment, and then they would just, cl- th- and that's a concern. Like, if even if we have good receivers, would Baker even be able to hit them? Well, and that's yeah. a concern. And then a pause, and then someone would just open their mic and be like, that's a concern. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and let's see. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Anyone here to defend Baker's tweet? <laughs> Baker needs to get off Twitter. He's a franchise quarterback. A lot of that. Whoa, um, was it Colin Cowherd? <laughs> I just don't like my franchise quarterback going on social media. Yeah, yeah right? Um, see, because I'm kind of on the side, Chris, where I'm like, Wearing his hat backwards. What happened to Carson Wentz's season? No one cares. No one cares. He's gone. (laughs) I'm. I'm kind of like, yeah, Baker. Tweet whatever you want. I just think, like, 
with pointers for social media, I feel like don't acknowledge, like don't use the word toxic. Don't acknowledge, just if you're going to tweet something, make it a positive light and like be done with it. Don't acknowledge anyone else. But he kind of like brings up the topic of drama and uses the words toxic. And it's kind of like, he, he went after I mean, make no bones about it. If you start going after people in the media, then don't get upset when people come back at you, whether they're media fans or anything else. You're the aggressor in that. Well, yeah, and it just seems like how do you think that you're not starting something by unblocking someone, liking their tweet? You know that people are going to notice. You know that people are going to talk about it, but you say that it's toxic and you want to avoid it, but you're kind of like participating and instigating it too. So like, I'm just, I'm kind of like, dude, say what you want, but also just know that you're like creating something right now. Yeah. I think to Chris's point, like we literally just don't care anymore. Just, just please come back and be a very good quarterback. Yeah. I don't care if you don't post anything. That would be sick. Yeah. How thick would that be? What a statement. I love this kind of shit. I love movies like this. We're like silence. We heard we hear nothing from him and just like everything is just he's just balling out. Like no one ever would be like, Wow, I wish we would have heard more from this guy in the off season. Ain't nobody care what like right. literally nobody cares. <laughs> Somebody in Cincinnati going, you know, Joe Burrow, this last off season, he really didn't post much, I noticed, on Instagram. <laughs> I'm going to hang up and take your answer off air. He doesn't have to fight to be relevant. You have the wow. job. Like, you don't, Correct. you're here. Yeah. And I will say, I don't want to spend the entire offseason. It's not even the offseason yet with these Baker Wars on Twitter. Like, it's, it's, it's no. impossible. You got to mute all of it. It's it's horrible. Like we live and die with hope in Cleveland. That seems like that's never going to change, which is <laughs> kind of unfortunate. But you, I mean, you have to go into this off season with the hope that he's going to be a really good quarterback. He's going to heal and he's going to lead us to the playoffs. Because if you're just sitting there on social media and you're just bitching for eight months about Baker Mayfield and how much yeah. he sucks, even though you know he's going to be the starting quarterback, like, what are you he's doing? Inevitable. He's inevitable. What are you doing? People, do people not realize that? Like, you can yes. have all these fantasies about Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson that you want to. That's fun. You could have a big old party for that. But Baker Mayfield is inevitable for the Cleveland Browns, no matter what you tweet, no matter what you post. Baker Mayfield is going to be the starting quarterback. So I, all these other conversations really don't matter. I don't care how many spaces you do, and I don't care how many comments you have on it. Baker Mayfield is inevitable. Yes, and you support the inevitable quarterback yes. all the way. Unless it's, it's Case, unless you have Case Keenum. And then you bitch at him during the games, That's right. and you're like allowed to be fan. mad at the dude for sucking. Right. But – we're in the offseason. We need hope. Just hope that he's going to be good and just be done with it. Agreed. All right, best and worst tweet. Let's do it. Let's go. All right. Uh, let's take a look. Best tweet. Kickers. Phil Dawson, part three. Still think kickers aren't that important. Wow, what an amazing tweet. I can't believe I didn't see that. We were just talking about, or Chris, you were just talking about quarterbacks, how well they played. How about the kickers, man? Yeah, three out of the four games decided by kickers, essentially. I mean, that's a drafted kicker. What, what, yeah, what? 
fantastic games. And I, it's kind of funny though, in this tweet, you know, Phil Dawson of all people saying y'all saying that kickers aren't that important. Like he's the most celebrated kicker, you know, who hasn't really had a big moment outside oh, of yeah. Cleveland, uh, but he's celebrated by everybody here. And we certainly in Cleveland know the value of kickers just because we haven't had one since Phil Dawson doesn't mean that we aren't just dying to get one. So it's kind of funny that him and all, of all people are saying, Oh, I still think kickers aren't that important. My God, how much love have we given you over the years, Phil? I'm sitting here looking at a Phil Dawson. Well, jersey. No, that's, not, that's not directed. So am I. Yeah. By the way. yeah. I don't think that's directed at Cleveland at all. No, I don't think it is either. Yeah. I don't even think it's even really all that yeah. serious. I think he, I think yeah. people in the NFL, smart people, people that he knows know that kickers are important but it's just they're always written off everybody wants to talk about the quarterback and talk about the running back and talk about the wide receiver nobody wants to talk about the kicker until the game is on the line and he's trotting out there for a big one that's right god that would be a nice if if we could draft one player that worked out this year kicker i would go kicker well i'd go quarterback if we were drafting a quarterback oh come on worst tweet Dustin Fox, we're going to go down the Baker hole again, huh? Uh, maybe for a minute. Yeah, so uh, so Baker Mayfield liked one of Dustin's earlier tweets where he said, do you folks see why it's why what you have at quarterback just isn't good enough? Hashtag Browns. Obviously, a shot at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield then liked it. Then Dustin Fox comes back. He couldn't leave well enough alone. Interesting, the starting quarterback of a franchise like this tweet, considering he has me blocked. Hope he proves us wrong. Which, for those of you who don't know Twitter, means that Baker went in, unblocked him, just to like this tweet, and then blocked him again, probably, as well, on the way out. So And then unblocked him. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's an awful lot of work. Just go, Baker, go in the film room and work on that. I, you know, stop feuding with Mary Kay. Stop feuding with Dustin Fox. You can feud with me because, you know, that'll raise my profile here. And I, that's what I need, really. Uh, so go ahead. Go after Reflog all you want to. But everyone else, do not feud with. Just make sure you're in there watching film. Gab, any oh. thoughts? Any parting words? Uh, I don't have any parting words. I, I'm, no. I don't want to keep feeding into it, but it just feels like a high school. Like, doesn't it feel like high school girl drama? I don't know. It's yes, just bizarre. Yes. It's like it's passive aggressive. It's weird. It's petty. It's girly in a way. It's like, oh, I, I'm blocked and then I liked and then I'm going to block again. Like, what are we in a toxic relationship right now? Yeah, yes. he's right to use the word toxic. So he very well knows the meaning of it, I suppose. But I don't know. No parting words. I just hope he balls out. That's all. Those were rent. those were good parting words. <laughs> <laughs> My parting thoughts here, Dave. What's that? Let's let's so hear. Back from, the, back from the interview, Meatloaf yep. being played by Chris Farley, and what a missed opportunity that was for the world, right there. Chris yeah. Farley, Meatloaf movie. Sad that we've lost both of those gentlemen. Both no, were just fantastic. I mean, you can't. There's not enough can be said about both of those guys, Chris Farley. I mean, my God. And uh, if that would have happened, that would have been the pinnacle of everything. So. Appreciate what you have in this life, right? Good parting words, man. Good there parting you know. words. All right. See you all next week. <laughs> all right. Thanks to the sponsors. Check News, Labette, GV, TSE Cleveland. Thanks to Steve Popovich Jr. for stopping by, talking some meatloaf. Uh, and we will see you guys next Monday night. See you later.
Hey, we're going to talk more skiing next Monday night too. We've got a guest who's from out West. Uh, she's really good at, uh, at skiing. She's a ski instructor out there. And also, yeah, cause I'm, I'm trying to work more skiing into the show and also, uh, also an expert on football. So she's going to give us some national perspective. There we go. Nice tease. I like that. One go. more tease. Would you guys want to play some golf in the garage one night? Jimmy Hanlon would like to come over and do an interview yes. and Jimmy. play 18. Yes. Oh, that's a good Let's one. Do Let's okay. Do it. He'd All be right. great. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah so he ball. is he is in. So we will uh we'll schedule that maybe on a day where it's not like negative sixteen and five feet of snow. Good thinking. All right, let's go. Goodbye. It's time. Streaming live from Cleveland, Ohio. Presenting the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight podcast of the world. The big play. We fall.